Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is episode 363. I really have got a great guest on the show at the present moment. I'm going to butcher his name, but he's a, he's going to be reasonably okay about it. Yeah, it's Yarrow Starak. And Yarrow, like to introduce yourself quickly to the listeners and viewers. Sure. You didn't butcher my name. That was pretty good. Uh, long-time online entrepreneur. Uh, so the very short version of what could be an almost 20-year story was... Got my start in Magic the Gathering cards back in the late 90s. And then that switched to an essay editing company in the early 2000s, which led to blogging and podcasting starting in 2005, the really early days of podcasting back then. Uh, that, and that's been my sort of main claim to fame for the, oh, since 2005 till now. I still blog and, and podcast. And then I also have a couple of other companies, um, Inbox Done, which is email management service and a solar energy company in Ukraine, which is very random, but very exciting for me because it's quite different and obviously not online. So uh, that's the very, very short version of what could be a two-hour conversation, I think so. <laughs> I think so as well. Um, and I've got my great co-host, Cindy Nickerson. I'd like to introduce yourself, Cindy. Sure. Um, hi, Yaro. Thanks for coming on the show today. Hi, everyone. It's uh, Cindy Nicholson from uh, thecoursewhisperer.com, and uh, I help people that are looking to put an online course together, help them put it together to make it good. That's great. And I'm the founder of WP Tonic. Can we build and maintain and support um, learning management websites for e learning entrepreneurs on the WordPress platform? Right, Yara. I, I really didn't know where to start off because you to say you've got extensive experience in this in this world of membership and online marketing would be a slight understatement. Um, so, if you, what do you think if an e-learning entrepreneur and they wanted to build a successful membership site, what? and that person came to you, what would be your initial advice about getting going and doing it in the right way? Yeah, that's, that's the golden question, isn't it? So membership sites and online courses have been my bread and butter income as a blogger, for sure, and podcasting as well. It's, it's been my, and still has actually been my largest source of income over the years, collectively, accumulatively. But also because I've done it for you know 12 years and had uh, about four or five different courses over that time frame. To someone new, I would be saying, obviously, you know, there's a combination of just the business fundamentals. What's your niche market? What are you helping them do? What's the problem you help them solve? And I'd also be asking them, what's your, your audience exposure like right now? What is, you know, what's your situation in terms of your personal brand or your the, the technical things, how big is your email list? You know, how big is your following? Do you have uh, access to an audience that would be interested in what you're possibly, you know, selling a, a course or a membership site on? I think uh, more often than not, people who are already doing something in teaching, either like consulting or coaching, freelancing, I think that kind of person seems to then see a course or a membership site as a, a natural next step 
predominantly to free themselves from, you know, the, the paper hour kind of situation that they usually find themselves in, which is not bad. It's, it's being your own boss. It can be great money. But at the end of the day, as I, yeah, I've been a proponent for, of this thing called the laptop lifestyle forever. And, and one of the main reasons I can be talking to you in Vancouver or, you know, Ukraine where my solar company is or Australia where I was born or Hawaii where I like to go is the fact that those courses and membership uh, recurring billing, you know, goes into the bank account uh, and makes new sales regardless of where I am and whether I'm actually proactively trying to sell it. Obviously, that requires building a system behind it and having some sort of ongoing traffic source, uh, you know, a funnel as we call it, email marketing and so on. But yeah, it's available, I think, to anyone who has a, a problem they can legitimately solve. And that to me is always where I'd like to guide them first. Look at the problem and how much money people currently spend to solve that problem. And then you can, you know, go and towards the nuts and bolts of the actual e-learning that you sell. But really that's, you know, as you guys probably know very well, the, the setting up of a course, the delivering of membership content, while sure, there's, there's a process there. That's why, you know, people like yourselves exist. But it's... Um, I would almost call it like it's a step-by-step process that's repeatable. The part that you kind of have to get right before all that is, is the market and the audience, the, you know, the, the, the traffic. That's, and that's the hard part for most people, although they get so caught up in what membership software should I use and how much should I charge and how do I create you know, a module and all that sort of stuff, which is all fun, but it's way more fun when you know you've got customers ready to buy that stuff. So. <laughs> Before I pass it over to Cindy, I think you got to the crux of it, really. Um, you know, I'm gonna, uh, you've probably been asked this so many times. I, I often, no guarantee of originality, unfortunately, on this. Uh, um, is got any insights about, because I agreed with everything you said, but the thing is, how, how, how do you start building an uh, online audience? How much time do we have to talk about that? Well, I I, I know it's a ridiculous question, but I'd ask it. Yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, I mean, everyone who probably comes in your podcast has a different background in this. And they'll say, I do Facebook ads, or I do press coverage, or I do organic social media. So I'll give you the answer that obviously that has worked for me and a lot of people I've worked with have benefited from as well, which is simply content marketing predominantly through blogging. Um, you know, blogging's been and still continues to be my main source of audience. It's free. You know, it's traffic from Google. Google searches, finding blog posts I've written either last week or last decade. <laughs> you know, it could be that way. Um, obviously, if you're get, just getting started, that that's a slower method. Like I wouldn't tell people, you start a blog today, two months from now, you're going to have enough of an audience for a successful, you know, course launch or membership site. So that's why people turn to paid traffic. Uh, but even that is an area where, you know, I don't tell people to do pay traffic until they know they have a converting offer because you can lose a lot of money trying to figure that out, just throwing, you know, traffic at random offers. And there's a lot of very good copywriting and marketing and emails that needs to go into a, a good campaign. So often, depending on the skill level, the background, you know, some people come to me and they, they really do have that personal brand. And I really like that kind of client because, they're probably already blogging. They're probably already doing maybe YouTube or podcasting or all three of those or being very active in Facebook groups or uh, you know, LinkedIn, whatever it is. And they have some kind of audience. And then it's a case of, all right, how do we 
ramp this up. One of my favorites is you know joint ventures. I don't do it nearly as much anymore, but during my early days, which is when you have much smaller traffic, finding one good partner or doing one good uh, launch campaign as my first course way back in 2007 was an affiliate backed marketing campaign. So you know I brought my my 2,000 RSS subscribers back in the day of RSS and blogging, plus my 2,000 or so email subscribers and launched this course. But I also had Darren Rouse and, uh, you know, you might know some of these other names, Jeremy Shoemaker, John Chow. There's a lot of kind of old school bloggers from about, you know, internet marketing uh, and Brian Clark from Copy Blogger. So a lot of people promoted what I think probably at the time was the first ever course on how to make money blogging. And, you know, half my sales, maybe a little less than that. Certainly a lot of my email subscribers came from those people all promoting, endorsing as an affiliate, the, you know, the free resources I was giving out. So I think a launch campaign, uh, you know, a bit more of an advanced technique, but even on a, a smaller scale, finding one partner to do a joint venture with who will do maybe, you know, uh, a webinar with you or run a Facebook challenge with you, or even just send a few emails promoting whatever free resource you have, that can double, you know, the size of your, your audience exposure within a week. It's, it's such a powerful source of traffic. So I like kind of a combination of grassroots content marketing that's long-term. So let's build some, some great blog posts, pillar articles, as I'm, I'm known for teaching that concept. But also to get those jumps in traffic, let's look for partnerships or opportunities to you know, get maybe on television or get you know, uh, some kind of press coverage, guest article, show up on a podcast interview you know, or several, try and get one a week. So it's kind of a combination of those those sorts of elements, but you know it hasn't changed. That's the that's the irony. I've been answering this question since about 2007 as well. And okay, Snapchat didn't exist back then. Uh, you know, YouTube wasn't uh, just getting started back then. But the answer hasn't changed. You still go to where traffic is and try and get your face or your voice there. Plus, do do some content so you start getting some Google traffic organically as well. Or you got money to burn. Back then it was Google ads. Now it's Facebook ads or Google ads or Twitter ads or Snapchat ads, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Cindy? I appreciate you saying that, um, Yaro, just from the perspective, because a lot of bloggers, when they first start out, they, they are really, they slug it alone, right? They, they keep trying to, you know, maybe I just need to put out more content, put out more content, and they don't recognize the opportunity of other influencers out there that might be um, help support them in building the traffic to their site. So I really, uh, I really appreciate that because I think that a lot of people think if they just work harder, then it'll come to them, but they need to be a bit more strategic about it. Yeah. No magic bullet. That's for sure. Exactly. So I, I, because you've been in this business for so long, I just am curious as, as you know, the evolution of online courses, like where have you come from and where do you see kind of online courses going in, in the future? Because you really have that deep perspective. So I, I'd be interested yeah. in your thoughts. <laughs> so funny. I remember being asked this sort of 2008, 9, 10, 11. And there was this whole idea that information's getting more and more free as time goes by. So we need to expect the course we create and sell now for $300 will be the course we create and give away as a way to just grow our audience. And then we'll probably charge money for, you know, in-person workshops or more live-based marketing, live webinars with you, because that's the only thing that people will still value and pay money for is that kind of face-to-face -face interaction. Um, 
But that hasn't really borne true. I mean, people were saying that, and I, I think there's an element of truth to it in the sense that over time, there has been a need for more and better free content and more specialized free content in order to build that niche audience that you like. You know, you, you can't just possibly write one blog post a week and, and Google will reward you. Now it's, yeah, you do have the social media part of it. You, and you do have to really be specialized. Otherwise, you'll just drown in, in all the noise out there. But man, since then, masterclasses come out. Uh, you know, there's so many of these uh, different platforms have risen that charge money for information, for courses, for, for education. And I, I haven't seen that perform any worse than it's, it, I think it's performed a lot better. I think the market's increased. So going forward, if I'm going to put my uh, prognosticator hat on and guess the future of this, my default answer would have been, well, more information is going to be free and you should be prepared. But I actually, I'm not sure if that's the case. I, what I, I am unsure of is the format of education and how we consume content and where that's going. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I get asked like, will, will blogging disappear? And, and obviously, you know, unless we change the way we consume the written word, we have yet to do that. Uh, and I can't see virtual reality changing it. We're still going to prefer to read a flat page of text. Um, sure, we might be more interactive with our video content, but again, that even, you know, YouTube hasn't replaced books uh, or, or blogs. It's just kind of more of everything. And I think that's the real lesson. I don't think anything's disappearing. I think we're just adding more and more. And so there'll be more, more platforms still coming, whatever the next uh, social media app will be or whatever, uh, whatever technology comes along, we'll probably be using fridge apps and, and you know, uh, the television will be our, our kitchen table as well. So there'll be places like that where we'll consume the content. So the only real, I guess, consideration for people listening to this is don't worry about the, the format disappearing. Uh, you're, what's going to happen is if you're feeling overstimulated with options, that's just going to continue to grow and there'll be more and more places for you to publish content. So in order for people like ourselves, you know, who want to be kind of thought leaders in a small niche, we really need to be on top of a very nice you know, laser focused part of an industry. Uh, and that's the truth for anyone entering now too. You know, back when I started, I could just throw any advice, how to make money blogging generically. And now if people, you know, read about the basics like that, it just sounds like a hundred other articles they can find and, and they probably come across. So things that allow you to separate yourself from that are, are the, you know, the, the big tasks. Writing a book makes you a bit more credible um, who you know, who you've helped, who your what's your client base. I found it really interesting to watch, for example, Lewis Howes, you probably both know him, how he came from a pretty typical internet marketing background. Uh, podcasting took him to slightly more mainstream. Book releases also helped. Boom, he's on Ellen, then he's entering total mainstream. Facebook television show on the cover of magazines, right? So that's a good example of a person who's kind of emerged as a one of many, but managed to use, you know, that, those platforms to really, you know, grow a much larger audience. And we're not all going to do that. But I think the message of what he's doing on a smaller level, we can all do, you know, we do want to appear on a niche podcast like I'm doing right now. So um, I have one of my clients who is in the dissociative disorder niche, which is multiple personalities. So as you can imagine, not much competition or not as much competition online 
as what we talk about in this whole world of internet marketing. But there's still health podcasts she can appear on, which she started to show up on now. So, you know, anyone with that condition who starts Googling, first of all, comes across the blog that she's been writing for a decade full of content to help that kind of person. Now she's starting to build that personal brand, podcast interviews. You know, she's got a membership site and courses and that's how she makes her money. So uh, it's a good example that, it, you know, it's, this stuff is all happening across the board in all industries. Uh, we just all have to be very, especially if we want to be the face of our business. Of course, not everyone does. I mean, my new business, while I am pushing it as Yarrow, it's an independent brand. It's meant to be much bigger. And, and I don't, you know, I don't sell me. Um, I sell an idea and a problem solving solution. Uh, and I access my existing audience, but that's just because it's low hanging fruit. The, the company itself, it's not Yarrow. So I don't need to go out there and sell that. I sell the idea of what the company does. So it's, it's the principles kind of don't really change, but um, I want to put that out there because some people hearing this might be going, well, I don't want to be on Ellen. I don't want to go on the front of magazines. I don't want to, you know, get out there and be on podcasts all day long. It's not my, my thing. I just want to have a, a good thriving company. So, you know, the same principle is just, you have to understand what you're selling or what you're positioning in that case. Yeah, I think that's really true in terms of, um, I think the, 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 because you have access to so many people to be really specific and clear as to who you help um, and to be the face or the, the expert in that field allows people, allows um, you to attract people to yourself as well. Yeah. Jonathan. Oh, I think that's great. We're going to go for our break, folks. We'll be back. And um, I think we've got, it's been a great interview so far and I'm sure it's going to be even greater when we come back. We'll be back in a few moments. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Um, but before we move forward, I just want to quickly mention one of our great sponsors, and that's Kinsta Hosting. And Kinsta Hosting has um, been supporting the show for the past year and a half. They, the WP Tonic website is hosted on Kinsta. They are big enough to provide all the bells and whistles you're looking for, but small enough to still care about you. Staging site, um, latest version of PHP, um, 24-7 support, real expert support. They use the Google Cloud as their platform. Fantastic interface. I can't praise them enough. So if you're looking for a quality WordPress host, go to kinster.com. So, yeah, um, I think one of the things that's always impressed me with your career is that you're in a sector and it might be because I'm English. I live in the, I've, I've lived in America now for almost 10 years. Is there's a certain, um, I'm find, trying to find the right words here. There's a certain type of online marketing guru or expert 
that I find rather nauseating. Um, and I've noticed that you've never really, that's not your bag, really. You've never <laughs> tried to do that. You seem a very different style, but you're super efficient. Um, and you know what you're talking about. Was that a conscious decision or um, was it just that it just wasn't you, this kind of... <laughs> you know, it's all in the eye of the beholder, Jonathan. I think um, I have been, you know, I've had replies to email campaigns and things that will... I, what you're alluding to, I guess, is that sort of over hypey type of sales and marketing that can go on. And back in the day, and even today, large sales page, huge red fonts, you know, pictures of checks. It's kind of like the Ty Lopez effect of today with uh, doing a video in front of your cars and walking around your mansion, right? It's that, uh, look at me and this is how great my life is. Um, and the idea that we can never deny is that does generate a certain sense of desire within human beings, and that can then lead to sales of your products. So you the, the, the way I've always looked at this, there's a, it's like a virtual dial for your marketing, right? And you can spin it as far to the right as you want to put the sales talk to a certain degree of, of hypiness, right? And everyone has what they personally feel is acceptable is how far they'll go. And then, of course, your entire audience also has their own position on that. So I did, I guess, you know, grow up in Australia where it's not as, uh, it's, you know, it's more, there's that tall poppy syndrome. I mean, you're not supposed to stand out. That really didn't affect me too much. I think more because I'm more, it's kind of an ironic thing. I'm introverted and I you know, grew up shy. So I wasn't looking to stand out, but then the medium of the internet with blogging and podcasting allows a person like myself to feel comfortable because you're by yourself most of the time, you know, working away. And when you publish a blog post, it doesn't feel like there's a large audience there potentially reading it and you're getting well known. And that, that can hopefully happen as it happened to me. Uh, and sure, I, you know, kind of on the surface, it looks like I'm deliberately pushing myself out there and, uh, you know, getting that kind of exposure, but I, I didn't feel that way. So when it came to doing sales and marketing, I was adamant about doing what I needed to do to sell products and services. So I studied copywriting. I studied, you know, Jeff Walker's product launch campaigns. And, you know, Jeff Walker is a great example because you take, you take Frank Kern, you take Jeff Walker. I know people who hate Frank Kern because he always sounds like he's selling nothing and it's just hype. And then Jeff Walker, they're, they're friends, they're in the same market, but he has his more down to earth kind of way of talking. And I always felt more connected to Jeff than I did to Frank as a personality. So I learned more from Jeff than I did Frank. But I know some people who just love Frank because they, they learn so much tactically from him and they don't find him over the top either. So I really do feel it's in the eye of the beholder. But I think the best answer to your question for the benefit of the listener is I went with what I was getting the results I wanted from and what felt within the comfort zone, I guess, of my personality. So yeah, I definitely felt my writing was and is transparent I love transparency as a marketing tool. So I think telling stories from your own life, in my case, telling stories from my businesses over the years has been my best marketing tool because it, you know I did something, this is what I did, learn from what worked for me, then people like you and they want to learn more from you. So that's worked fantastically and it works for every niche, just like you know Kathy, my client, teaching how to you know get help with dissociative disorder. 
she's helped other people so she can, you know, she can't give away personal details, but she can give away advice that's worked for people. And that's, uh, that's always the most helpful advice, really practical stuff. Now, how far you hype that, it's often a factor of you personally, but also what people expect in your industry. You know, if you're selling, say, cola drinks, you know, if you're not doing Coca-Cola style marketing or, or something clever along those lines, it, and, you know, you're kind of just holding back, it might not work. Same with sort of, you know, business and marketing in, in this kind of world. Uh, it's, it's on one level, it's super hype, the Ty Lopez kind of side, but uh, in a lovely twist of uh, circumstances, you can go counter that. And I'm a big fan of counterintuitive marketing where you take what is the accepted practice in marketing in an industry and just deliberately go against that. Uh, one of my favorite examples from the weight loss industry, I remember uh, one of my very early mentors talked about, uh, his name was Rich Sheffrin, and he would say, this is an example of counterintuitive marketing. If everyone is, you know, they know and expect you to go out there and say, lose weight by eating less and exercising more. But if you go out there with your marketing campaign and say, I know a way for you to lose weight by exercising less and eating more, people are like, okay, uh, that's not what I've heard from everyone else. You know, what's, what's going on there? And I think certainly maybe what you're alluding to with the way I've projected myself as this kind of transparent down-to-earth person uh, depending on what materials you read of mine, of course, I've had long form sales pages with red fonts over the years too, <laughs> but I've kind of looked at times as a, I guess, a counterintuitive personality or style of marketing to a Ty Lopez, or maybe back in the day, you might remember the rich jerk. He had some, you know, no one knew who he was, but he had some crazy copy in, in, in internet marketing and certainly Frank Kern and you know, all kinds of people back in the day, but it depends what you're looking at. I mean, you, you, probably know Pat Flynn and, and some people love how down to earth he is, but then some people will start going, well, he's using the same marketing techniques as Jeff Walker did for some of his stuff. So it's, it's you know, I have the, I have the beholder. You really, really can't, uh, you can't please all the people all the time. Right. So <laughs> that's all you can do. Not true. Sydney. Um, so it, it, that's so true in terms of, I, I think, I think, you know, especially if you're going to be putting yourself out there, you really just want to decide who you want to be and who you're most comfortable being. Because if this is a long-term endeavor, you want to make sure that you can be consistent with that. So I think that that's, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. And if you um, feel uncomfortable, that's a good sign that maybe you're not on, on path with what you're doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, I actually want to just kind of transition into uh, one of your current businesses, your inbox done business, because obviously you see that there's a problem out there that needs to be solved. Um, and you think that, you know, there, you obviously feel that there's a huge opportunity there. So, so what, what is the problem that inbox done is, is solving and, you know, what, uh, you know, what can we do about it in order to get better about it? Yeah. Well, I can connect the dots. So right from very day one with, with my online career, I was not necessarily hoping to, you know, really hustle hard, grow a startup company and then exit for millions of dollars. It was more, how do I get an income stream that allows me to sort of travel and, and have that kind of freedom? And, you know, online courses and membership sites are great for that, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, but even before that, with my essay editing company, that was the sort of first as Tim Ferriss would call it, a you know, four-hour workweek muse kind of business where I was attempting to create something that generated an income stream 
and somehow separate myself from the generation of that income, right? And that's not easy when you're doing it for the first time. But I was uh, following a good business model. I was hiring contractors to deliver editing services. My job was actually forwarding emails all day between the editors and the customers, students at universities usually. And uh, one day I was in Sydney just traveling down there. I wasn't, I didn't live there. And I found myself all day when I was supposed to be doing something else, forwarding emails and constantly checking the inbox. So when I came home, I'm like, if I want to break free from this company, bearing in mind, this is before four-hour work week. So I'd like to say I was ahead of Tim Ferriss, but um, I needed to stop doing email was the short answer. Uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs know once they kind of become successful, and you guys might do this. I don't know how many emails, you know, how much time you spend on your email right now, Cindy and Jonathan, but I, I was doing that a lot. So I hired a stay-at-home mom, trained her, you know, went through that experience of, can I trust someone to handle these emails, you know, in my business? And that turned out they could even do a better job than me because they could spend their, their working hours on just that task and go and chase customers for me and do better customer service for me. So uh, I, I woke up the following Monday after the training was all done and I logged into my business email and the inbox was empty. And I was like, huh, what do I do with my life now? <laughs> because this company is completely outsourced. And uh, strangely enough, because of all the time I had, I became a blogger and a podcaster. So in a lot of ways, if it wasn't for that company and you know, outsourcing the email and building that business, I would have not had the time to write as much as I did to grow a blog and then start doing podcasting interviews as well. So from that point, which was a long time ago now, I continued, no matter what business I had, the blogging business, I had a person doing my email. I've even had sometimes two or three people doing the email. So I have 24-hour customer support. And a couple of years ago, I was talking about this, similar to what I just said to you guys. I said, I, I only check my email about once a month. And I was saying this to a group of entrepreneurs uh, at a networking event. And they all go, how, what do you mean? Like that doesn't compute for most people. How do you only check your email once a month? And uh, I say, well, someone else does it. And then there's a few emails that only I can do. And I do those once a month and that's how it works. So uh, I realized from the, the faces on the entrepreneurs that maybe this is a need in the marketplace. So I ended up partnering with my co-founder, Claire, who actually did my email for two years as one of my email team. And we launched the service, which as you mentioned, is called Inbox Done. And uh, yeah, we've been growing steadily. It's about a year and a half now since we, we launched that. Got quite a few clients. We've got a team now uh, managing the inboxes of people. And it's been a fantastic spinoff. You know, a lot of my companies, that's for certainly the most successful ones, as you can sort of hear, there's always a connecting thing from, you know, my essay company, building a system, hiring a person, lets me do blogging. Blogging lets me create online courses, uh, and then I meet you know, a person working with that company that allows me to transition or start another company in this email management. So I love doing that. I, 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 there was a time in my life where I thought, maybe I'm just a writer and not an entrepreneur. I started as an entrepreneur, but now I realized both. It's, it's nice to be both, right? So um, yeah, and that's the company we run, we run right now. And uh, it's for the right people. I mean, I don't know uh, who's listening to this and what stage they're at, but if you are in a situation in your your business where you find yourself getting up in the morning and spending two hours in email or going to bed at night and spending two hours in email and you're not seeing your family or not taking holidays because of that, or you're working on your email on your holidays, it usually sounds good, especially good to a certain person when they say, you know, 
check my email once a month. If that sounds good and you've, you've got a business, then yeah, that's, that's who we help. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, I can imagine you would have got a few eyebrows raised with the checking the email once a yeah. month. <laughs> well, how often do you guys do your email? What's, what's the email like in your, in your lives? Cindy? <laughs> <laughs> you see, this is almost like, how many drinks do you have uh, at night? Right? Yeah, not a good example to be looking at, but yeah, you, like my inbox is always open all day long. So not a good strategic way to work. I don't think Jonathan. Um, I wouldn't say I was quite as bad as Cindy. Um, I, I have, um, I deal with email in the morning, uh, my outreach, my podcast and everything's done in the morning. Afternoons, I do client work or mostly I'm a project manager. And then at night, I will check my email again. So I'm not checking it all the time because I had to restrict i'm pretty easy to get hold of to book a zoom with me is pretty easy but it's got to be in a schedule on my schedule because otherwise it got totally out of hand basically mm. and it, it got crazy basically so i've without hiring your um but i think it's a fabulous service absolutely fantastic idea um, i wish i'd thought of it myself but there we go <laughs> uh um, uh, we're going to wrap up the podcast part of the show, uh, folks. Uh, Yarrow's uh, really been kind enough to agree to stay on. Um, and you'll be able to see that on the WP Tonic website with the full set of show notes and on the WP Tonic YouTube channel. Please subscribe to it. We're getting more followers for that. Yeah, what's the best way to find out more about you, what you're up to, and your words of wisdom? Uh, I had a recent domain name change, uh, just yarrow, Y-A-R-O dot blog, or just Google yarrow. There's not a lot of yarrows uh, doing what I do, so you can find it by Y-A-R-O, podcast and blog and email newsletter. That's the best way to, to follow me, or social media, of course, as well, Instagram and Facebook. And Cindy, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Yeah, if you've got a course in mind, you can find me at thecoursewhisper.com or you can also find me on LinkedIn. Right, that's great. Um, before we go, folks, we're going to be doing a free webinar on the um, 31st of January at 9am Pacific Standard Time. And you'll be, um, if you join us live for the webinar, we're going to be offering um, a, a couple of great prizes, um, a free download to everybody that attends the, the webinar. The webinar is going to be um, the seven essential things that you need to know to um, start a successful course. And uh, basically, um, also one person is going to win uh, one year free support maintenance WP Tonic plan with a, a value of almost $700. I'm going to be giving that to at the end of the webinar to a person that's still live with us. And it, like I say, if you want to register for that, go to WP Tonic slash webinar and you'll be able to register there we will be back next week with another great guest 
and uh, another great interview. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.